Now, things have changed since we last spoke to you. We welcome you to another edition, the first in August of the Baseball Elite Podcast. I am Kyle Elfring. He is Ray Flowers. Great to have all of you with us at FantasyGuru.com. And I guess, Ray, it's it's good to know that you and I are still a team. Um, you were not traded last week. Um, I was not traded last week. Uh, but I think everybody else in the baseball world was traded last week. Yeah, and uh, I, the people might have wished I was traded, Kyle. I don't know, but um, they can continue to hurl peanuts and batteries at me from the seats. It was wild, and I know everyone at the site's probably seen the trade deadline article that I, I you know, I had up. Uh, it's still there if anyone missed it and they want to check it out. Um, but yeah, it was. Uh, I started at six thirty in the morning, and I didn't stop typing till five. I mean, it was absolute insanity and and i've sat in this chair on trade deadlines and been kind of like come on guys do something and sure wasn't the way it was this time pal and i think i saw a number ray and i'm sure you you may have mentioned this or tweeted this out but if you go back to the moment when kind of nelson cruz and that trade to tampa kind of kicked everything off we had every single team in baseball make a trade all all 30 teams were involved in, in some sort of trade and overall we had 77 players get flipped now, that includes a lot of minor leaguers who aren't necessarily with major league teams, but that is still pretty astounding. We had not seen that in recent years. And, and sure, there were teams bailing on the year, you know, the Cubs and the Nationals, but there were a lot of teams really gunning for, for the playoffs this year. Like, you know, Atlanta, they're kind of dead in the water, but they were active. Um, I think Toronto, you know, kind of feeling dead in the water. They made a huge move. There, there was a lot of good activity uh, on this trading deadline last week. I knew that all 30 teams had made a move. I did not know a fact that I will now share that you pointed out to me, uh, and that is there were 10 All-Stars that were traded. So every (laughs) team... This year, (laughs) All-Stars. Yeah, this year, right. Guys that were on an All-Star team three weeks ago. Like, this was... I mean, this will be one for the record books, and maybe it's the the new way it is with the finances and baseball and all that, but we've got the CBA coming up, and maybe changes are made there this offseason. Who knows? But you know, the amount of trades, the all the teams, as we're noting, the high elite level of players that were dealt. I don't think there's the, the sport has ever seen this before. It was really fascinating to cover. And, and a main focus of this podcast is going to be on the trading deadline. But as we get into the starting nine, uh, the trading deadline, which is a few days ago now, is not the leadoff hitter. No, 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 no. The leadoff hitter is uh, something that I think has been the leadoff hitter Oh, probably on a half dozen other occasions this summer. <laughs> We're talking about injuries to Jake DeGrom and Fernando Tatis. More injuries for Jake DeGrom and Fernando Tatis. That'll get us low, uh, rolling in the uh, first spot. Then we'll get into the trades in the two-hole. We'll talk about the huge names like a Scherzer or a Gallo or a Turner or a Baez or a Bryant. The huge names that were on the move. In the three-hole, other names that were on the move, Richard Rodriguez, Brad Hand, Diego Castillo, Cesar Hernandez. And then the four spot for the cleanup hitter today, who's left over? What are the teams going, what are they going to do now that they've moved on from all these players? Who are some of the guys that might be of interest over the past uh, final two months? Whereas before this, you didn't care about them at all. That'll be in the four spot. In the five-hole, we'll make Ray... um, We'll make him feel good about the work he put in over the weekend. Uh, Ray, we'll, we'll take a look at your rest of the way rankings. Um, ah, yes. I, I know you don't want to revisit them because you've been staring at them for like 
36 hours, but <laughs> we're, we're going to give them some pub, if nothing else. Well, yeah, no, I appreciate it. It's a lot of work. It is part of the package uh, at Fantasy Guru. The entire rankings are redone the first of every month. So that's, you know, starting on May 1st, May, June, July, August, September, first of every month. And so the August ones are out. And it's it's always interesting because you're you're balancing out so many things at this point, playing time, especially for the pitching side of things, like what are what's workload going to look like? Which of these young players are going to keep going? How high do we push up guys that, you know, Rowdy Telez all of a sudden is hot? How high do we push him up past the rankings? What do we do with the veterans that are struggling? So I think the deeper we get into the season, it should get easier to rank the players. But in some respects, Kyle, it's almost harder. Well, and, and think about it. Just since July 1, Ray, um, you know, again, I mentioned 80 dudes switching teams. But for your purposes, like 50 to 60 of them switching major league teams. So that's all different. Lineups are all different. Roles are all different. Uh, got rookies being called up. You have no namers that are having new success. I mean, it's a nutty one on, on August 1st. So we'll talk about that in the five hole six spot. We'll give you a player profile. We're going to talk about a guy in Detroit who seemingly is hitting a home run every single night. Some news and notes in the seven hole random reference at eight and stamp of approval at nine. Ray, let us begin with injuries and I might as well just turn it over to you. I- I'm tired of, of talking. So Ray, just tell everybody that you told them so when it came to Fernando Tatis Jr. and Jake DeGrom, we're exactly in the spot that we warned people about being way back in April. We had this discussion on Friday on SiriusXM um, because the news of DeGrom had come out. And, you know, we were saying all along what, has basically happened that there's a problem with DeGrom. The team has continually said there's no issue. It's, it's been his elbow. It's been his shoulder. It's been his forearm. They've been throwing him five or six innings. They've been limiting him to 75, 80 pitches. Like it's clear he's not healthy and, you know, characterize it however you want with the Mets. Everyone that ignored that fact was, you know, was an ostrich with a head in the sand. It's just how it was, right? They, the, the, this was always likely to happen. The situation with Tatis, I mean, this is, you know, I, he, the shoulder went again. And I've seen a lot of people, you know, when you swing like that, when you swing like that, folks, he's had multiple issues defensively. It's not just the swing, okay? When, whenever, you know, he does some athletic move on the field, the shoulder's at an issue, and it's going to continue to be, and it's like we have said all along, back from the first time this happened, you got to be careful and cautious and concerned about that. And, you know, it, it's, it's bad for baseball, I get it. But, you know, as you said on the Friday broadcast, the – I tell this to people all the time. I'm going to be wrong about players. Kyle's going to be wrong about the analysis we give about guys because sometimes players overperform, underperform. Okay. But some of these things are obvious. And if you're listening to people in this fantasy space that are giving you advice that really doesn't make sense in retrospect, think long and hard about listening to them. Because again, I make mistakes all the time. Player A, player B, yeah, yeah, yeah. But some of this stuff to me is obvious. I know it's obvious to you, Kyle. Yet our space constantly seems to miss on some of these things. Well, well, for years, Ray, uh, there have been people that have argued the idea of guys being at injury risk. You know, can, can you really, you know, everybody's at injury risk. And, you know, this can devolve into some kind of, oh, you're an idiot. You're, you're, you're a smart guy, whatever it is. But I, I always say when the dude's already injured, you have to admit, please admit he's an injury risk. And both these guys, Ray, have really been injured all year. And I'm not saying on the IL, but they've been playing at less than 100%, which is crazy when you look at their numbers, as good as Tatis Jr. has been, as good as DeGrom has been. But the situations were very evident. You know, DeGrom has four different injuries 
on the same side of the body. They're all in different spots. Like this is a cascading chain of events, you know, and, and we know the Mets history. Let's not forget that you throw Jake DeGrom on another team. And maybe I feel better about the reporting, not with the Mets and with Tatis, anybody who has dealt with shoulder issues like him, they've told you time and time again, they should have that he was very susceptible to these popping up again. You know, that these things could happen at a moment's notice. I think for the, the, the move forward, where we're at with Tatis Ray, I think he's going to miss more time with this latest setback than any of the other setbacks. I, I think we're going to maybe see two, three weeks. Uh, there's even whispers that they could just say, damn, we're going to have to have surgery. You know, it's, it's too bad. That, that's a possibility. That would be season ending. And with DeGrom Ray, we're sitting here on the second day of August. I don't know if we're going to see Jake DeGrom at all in the month of August. Yeah. Um, the assumption at this point on DeGrom is kind of like you're saying that August is probably shot. And that's, you know, I mean, again, we, we said this the last time there was a hiccup here before the this new news, right, 10 days ago. We both said, look, you know, Jacob DeGrom's having one of the greatest seasons of all time, and it's never going to show up in the history books because he's not going to qualify for the RA title. We, we said that. I mean, it was clear. And now with this setback, I mean, all the greatness of DeGrom, it's going to get lost in history. And it's going to be a series of what ifs. Um, I think it's very reasonable based upon what we're hearing to, to think that it'd, it'd be a long shot for him to pitch in August. And, you know, to be clear here, his season could be over. Now, they're not saying that, and, and there's no evidence to say that that's certain to happen. Of course not, but it's possible. I mean, we're, again, think about this. Shoulder, elbow, forearm, on. It's going on for months. It's possible. So his situation is such that people need to be making other plans, which is brutal because there's, you know, what are you going to do? Waiver wires kind of sucks when you're looking for pitching. <laughs> um, you know, in the case of Tatis, uh, I mean – this is why when when this injury first happened way back was it April we you know we had a podcast where you know I, we said straight up trade him for Trey Turner do it right now like we because uh, we both knew that this was going to reoccur and it everyone knows this is going to continue to reoccur everyone knows it players know it Tatis knows it doctors know it seemingly the fans forgot it because he's just been tearing it up and they. It's going to continue to happen until he has surgery. And, you know, there's, I've read some stuff on the surgery. The surgery is not 100% certain to fix the problem to the point where he will be the same way he was before the injury. There could be some long term issues here. And again, it's not, he's not going to turn into, you know, uh, Jose Uribe, right? It's not like going to get absurd, but this could be something that hinders him a little bit the rest of his career. So the surgery is not to be taken lightly. But it's going to have to be done at some point based upon pretty much everything we've heard. For those in keeper and dynasty leagues, you hold them. You, you, you just keep them. Um, it may hurt you this year, but in the future, you cross your fingers and say they're going to be the same guys in, in 2022 and beyond. For the redraft player, Ray, I am investigating trades of these guys. And that's not really having a great read on their status. I'm willing to risk it because now it's crunch time. Again, it's August. Some of us are starting the playoffs later this month or in early September, and we got to make a run. If I'm competing for those spots and, you know, someone may say, hey, I'll, I'll trade you. I'll take a shot on Tatis for getting back in September and helping my team. Ray, I'm very willing to do that. And, and that may be a minority opinion to say, hey, if, if I can trade Tatis and DeGrom right now, I'd do it. But if I can turn those guys, as I always say, into assets that can help me now. Remember, I brought this up with Mike Trout, too. 
in redraft leagues, way back when that injury happened. If you've been holding on to Mike Trout the whole time, you probably wish you would have traded him way back when, you know, and gotten three pieces because time's running out, Ray, in a redraft league. Who knows if we're going to see these guys? I think investigating trades is well within the rights of a Tatis and DeGrom owner. Yeah, it was six to eight weeks for Trout, right? And I think we're about in week 11. And, that's, and, and we say this all the time. We get the, the numbers come out for the expectation, and sometimes six to eight weeks is five. Sometimes six to eight weeks is 10. In this case, it's even more. That's, you know, that's the nature of it. Um, you know, both Tatis and DeGrom, you know, have a lot to play for, right? There's playoff implications. They're stars of the league. They're stars of their team. Both of them are obviously going to push, do whatever they can to help and all of that kind of stuff. But physically, you got to be able to go. And, you know, it's, you know, in, in the case of both of these guys, if DeGrom keeps pushing this and he blows his arm out, I mean, it, his season's over next year. I mean, if it happens now, right? His season is over next year if it happens now. So they've got to be cautious. In the case of Tatis, you know, this is, again, something they have. They know they have to monitor. They have to do the best they can because once he has surgery, he's down for months, okay? So, yeah, both these guys, I think it's very reasonable to say, I'm going to look at the trade market. I think based upon what we have heard, because um, let's face it, like we said, what we've heard in this space and in this industry for the last four months has been virtually no concern for either one of these guys, virtually none. <laughs> and so, you know, maybe there's still people out there in your league that that believe that, oh my gosh, I can get Jacob DeGrom, hell yeah. So yeah. I would absolutely look into that, Kyle, you're right. Well, you know, looking ahead to next year, Ray, um, and, and I'm, I'll even assume they both come back and they play, you know, and, and they're good. They're both going to be first round picks next year. And, you know, in Tatis's case, I'll understand it. I'll be a little hesitant because like you said, if there's a shoulder surgery, you say, okay, it should heal, but that's a, that's a long healing process. So, you know, I think he would be back by April 1st, but who the heck knows? So I, I would understand Tatis. DeGrom's going to happen, Ray. You know, it's going to happen, but I can also guarantee that Ray Flowers will be yelling about it throughout the month of March that he's going to be a first round pick, but outside of like a, a surgery, that's going to knock him out for half the year, Ray. People are going to go right back to the DeGrom well going into next season. Oh, they are. And, you know, this is – we talked about this on on SiriusXM2. Um, you know, we're on Fridays, Saturdays, Sundays now, uh, 9 or 10 o'clock Eastern. Check it out. Um, the the situ- Oh, by the way, those, those times are Eastern. Um, DeGrom is the penultimate version of the, in my opinion, fallacy of drafting pitching early and helping that lead you to a championship. Because what we heard all year this year, we heard it last year too, but really strongly this year, and again, everyone on our site knows that I've been saying the exact opposite the whole time since last year, and I think it's been proven that I was right on this one and the industry was wrong. Uh, Coming into 2021, there were all these concerns about pitching. What we heard erroneously, falsely, and misleadingly from the industry was that if you get one of these aces, you're fine there was a bubble placed around like 10 pitchers. And the belief was if you got one of those 10 pitchers, you were going to remove yourself from concern. You weren't going to have issues with workload. You weren't going to have issues with injury. You were going to have 200 innings and 230 strikeouts. That's what you were getting. (laughs) And everyone pretty much, I would say 90% of the people in our industry were saying that. And you went through the list the other night and, you know, I got it pulled up right now. If you look at the NFBC's ADP, DeGrom is hurt. We're talking about him. Cole's been fine. Bieber's been hurt. Darvish has hit the dumpster lately. He's spent time on the injured list. Trevor Bauer, okay. Lucas Giorito has been okay. Aaron Nola's been okay. Walker Bueller's been fantastic. Scherzer's been fantastic. Castillo, Luis Castillo overall is down. Brandon Woodruff has been fantastic. Flaherty's been a mess. 
Kershaw's now got extended stay on the injured list. His arm can't get right. Blake Snell's been a disaster. Tyler Glasnow had surgery. Kenta Maeda's a disaster. I mean, you start looking at this list, and it's like we heard that you couldn't fail if you got Jacob deGrom. Fail. Couldn't fail if you got Shane Bieber. Fail. I mean, it's just that's how it is. Even a Garrett Cole owner right now is saying that's a fail. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. he's been okay. But, you know, based upon the expectation, the top 10 overall pick, certainly below that. Yeah, and so – just please, and, I, and I'm, you know, remember this next year, because if you hear these same talking heads in our space give the same talk that they have been giving for years now, and it pr- gets proven every year to be inaccurate, just question who you're listening to. Well, and, and with DeGrom, what will be said is how much better he was when he was pitching. And there's no doubt about that, but that ignores the predominant storyline. He didn't pitch enough. He didn't pitch enough. There's no doubt his 92 innings or whatever are are out of this world. He's way better than every fantasy pitcher. But now you're going to go, you know, two months overall this season without Jake DeGrom. He may not make 20 starts this year. You know, he's not throwing complete games. His whip is awesome. His K rate's awesome, but he's doing it in 90 innings. You're not getting the impact you draft. You drafted him for 220 innings. He's going to be lucky if he gets 120 innings. He's had three different arm injuries too. Shoulder, elbow, form. Three different injuries, and he's had one game where he threw 100 pitches this year. One. Oh, well, live and learn, but oftentimes it's just live and do it again, I think, (laughs) in fantasy sports. Okay, let's get to the trade market, Ray. We talked about it in the abstract. Let's uh, drill down to the specific. Uh, In the two spot, we're talking about the huge names on the move. And here's just a quick recap for people. Uh, Scherzer and Trey Turner to the Dodgers. Chris Bryant to the Giants. Baez to the Mets. uh, Kimbrell to the White Sox. Rizzo and Gallo to the Yankees. Barrios to Toronto. Starling Marte to Oakland. Uh, Kyle Schwarber to Boston, Philadelphia, adding Ian Kennedy as a closer, Kyle Gibson as a starting pitcher. Um, I'll kind of stop the list there. Um, biggest move here, Ray, is, is Scherzer and Turner. I mean, that one is, is just wild to think that a team could add a top five pitcher and really a top 10 hitter on, on the same trade. And I know they gave up prospects, but my goodness, uh, they get Turner for an extra year. They have Scherzer here for the, for the pennant push. Great move by the Dodgers. I applaud them. The the fantasy outlook, I I can't sit here and say Scherzer's outlook changes or Turner's a different dude, but this does affect things in that that Dodgers lineup. That that to me raised kind of the fantasy impact because all the other dominoes with Bellinger and and with Chris Taylor and Gavin Lux, even Corey Seager, like all these things kind of switch up now with the addition of Trey Turner. You almost ran out of breath running through those names, Kyle. <laughs> You're a professional talker. Again, that's not even, those are the big names. That's yeah, like not yeah. even half of what could have been there. Um, ter- yeah, like Turner and Scherzer are of the level of talent and will be of the level of, you know, importance that their value really doesn't change. Okay, but to look at the Dodgers now, because, I mean, here's what we got. First base is Max Muncy. Second base is Trey, uh, Trey Turner. Shortstop is Corey Seager. Third base is Justin Turner. Catcher is Will Smith. There it is, Okay. Okay, Where, where's Chris Taylor in that? Okay, well, let's put him in the outfield. Okay, A.J. Pollock, Cody Bellinger, Mookie Betts. Where's Chris Taylor in that? So I think that's, you know, we've had this question come up and we talked about it on SiriusXM that, you know, it's always good to give yourself outs. It's always good to give yourself options. The Dodgers have done this for a couple of years now because they print money in the basement. 
And they, they have a guy in Chris Taylor who can play infield outfield. They can move him all over the place. He's extremely valuable. He's been terrific this year. He's on a 2015 pace for 120 runs. He's been terrific. AJ Pollock has got injuries in his background and they could, they could platoon him a little bit. Cody Bellinger has stunk. It's very reasonable to think he loses some playing time. How much we'll see. Maybe they micromanage bets a little bit to make sure that they're not pushing him too far because of his continual issues, but they've got too many players. And sometimes you're the pirates or you're the giants and whatever. But when you're the Dodgers, you're too many players. If it's Chris Taylor, has been terrific this year, and that would be a big loss if he's not out there every day. Yeah, Tom. Dave Roberts, the manager, uh, I think just two days ago said Chris Taylor's our team MVP. Yeah, you know more so than Walker Bueller, more so than any of the other hitters. He's the MVP. That's how good he's been this season. For those in daily leagues, honestly, you got to be checking that Dodgers lineup every single day. Yeah, every single day to see where your guy's at. If he's hitting, they'll do a lot of the lefty righty stuff. Uh, so we'll see how it plays out. Now, as for the time being, Corey Seager is back. Trey Turner, though, is still on this COVID list, although he could be out in the coming days and back with the Dodgers and, and making his debut there. Uh, but again, bravo to the Dodgers for making those moves. Now, obviously, Washington kind of blew things up, as they should have. Um, I don't necessarily agree with trading Trey Turner right now, but they made that decision. They, they've, they've gone in that direction. Cubs did the same thing, Ray, um, as they should have. Bryant, Baez, Kimbrell. Rizzo, uh, some other guys as well. But when I look at those four big Cub names, uh, Bryant, Baez, Kimbrell, and Rizzo, who sees the biggest change in fantasy outlook or fantasy fortunes because of where they've landed after the trading deadline? I think it has to be Craig Kimbrell. Um, you know, Baez, Rizzo, Gallo, those guys play every day. They're in, you know, places where they should have success, all that kind of stuff. I, I, it's, it's Kimbrel, and, you know, this is something I talked about uh, with you on Friday on SiriusXM. It's something I wrote about in the trade deadline article. It's something I've been discussing with people on, on online, Twitter, uh, at Baseball Guys. You know, we have a scenario where I've argued for years, you know this, for years to get rid of saves. And we're starting to get a lot of people starting to use solds leagues. Are holds better than saves? No. Are holds a good measure of success? Not really. Neither are saves. At least that's my argument. And we have a scenario here where two of the top five relievers in baseball are now on the same team. So does one guy lose 90% of his value? Does one guy lose 40% of his value? Is it 50-50? Like, we don't know. We heard, I've been following this story, you know, and trying to get stuff here and there and it's like, well, 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 I haven't seen a definitive. Have you, how they're going to handle this, Kyle? Not at all. We, Friday yeah. night, we got to see Hendricks out there, but that's because Kimbrell was traveling. <laughs> you know, so we, we haven't had a chance at all. And I, I will say, Ray, knowing, you know, Tony LaRussa has usually settled on one guy. If you look at yep. his 40 years of being a manager, but I don't think he's ever had two dudes like this. And I almost feel, Ray, that both will get save opportunities because, you know, we've got the old, issue with closers they pitch the two previous nights they're not available on the right. third right you know well obviously if, if, if that saves available it's going to go to the guy who hasn't pitched but i even think we, we may not see many back-to-back save opportunities on consecutive nights for these guys i i think there will actually be a bit of mixing and matching i which sounds nuts they gave all that money to hendrix and it's like well god no one agreed with giving that money but at least he's really good as a closer but I guess for the Kimbrel owner and for the Hendricks owner, it's not going to be a hundred percent what you thought, but I think it could maybe be 75% of what you thought. I still think there will be saves from both guys 
over the final two months. Yeah. So, you know, they right now, Kimbrell and Hendricks are making $30 million to share the closing role. <laughs> no, to share the eighth and ninth. Say, yeah. Okay. And <laughs> Hendricks, sharing the sold role. Right? Yeah. There you go. Well, that's, yeah. I mean, Hendricks is getting paid $17 million. He has been filthy dominant. His whip is 0.71, 15 to one strikeout to walk ratio almost, which is impossible. He has been, he has been arguably the best right-handed relief pitcher in baseball for three years running now. And now he's got to share saves. So this goes back to my point. Why are we in saves leagues? I, I was talking to you about a trade I was thinking about making in labor and it was around Kimbrell and Chapman. And I said, I'm going to wait a week to the, you know. Yeah. And I said, Oh, don't worry, Ray. He'll still be close. Yeah. <laughs> and, and Kimbrell got traded to one of the five, maybe less three spots in baseball where it's unclear that he's the closer. Because, you know, teams in the playoff hunt, the teams that need closers aren't in the playoff hunt. Teams in the playoff hunt usually have a closer, right? And so the bottom line for me is, and this is, goes to the rankings we'll talk about, I don't know how to rank these guys. Like, I, no one does. It's not that I had, didn't try. or This this is fantastic for the White Sox. Uh, opponents of the White Sox now are cowering in fear because it's a seven-inning game in essence now. You know, Kimbrell and, and Hendricks, that's, you're, you're done as the opposition. But in terms of their fantasy outlook, we have no idea how the saves are going to come out, barring a definitive statement from Tony Larusa. We won't know the answer to how this is going to be played out until mid-August when we have some data to figure this out. It's possible that, again, even if they split this, then we have two of the top five closers in baseball losing 25% of their value or whatever, not because of poor performance, not because of injury, but because of a trade that no one could have predicted. Yeah, uh, from the north side to the south side uh, for Craig Kimbrell. That that Rizzo trade to the Yankees, Ray, along with Joey Gallo. Um, I kind of feel both these guys will, will see a push in the final two months. You know, both have been relatively disappointing compared to standards. Um, I like this from a fantasy perspective. I I think plugging them in that lineup, and we saw it already with Rizzo, had that huge game against Tampa on Saturday, but I, I think both these guys can get their left-handed swings going and, and have a pretty substantial run in August and September. I mean, think of this. DJ LeMahieu, Joey Gallo, Aaron Judge, Anthony Rizzo, Giancarlo Stanton. Right, left, right, left, right. You want to pitch to that? Good luck. Like, if all those guys are going, they're all all-star caliber performers. That's leaving out Gleyber Torres, who's picked things up in the second half. That's leaving out Gary Sanchez, who looks like he might hit 30 home runs this year. I mean, wow, right? And, and that's clearly what the Yankees are trying to do, uh, length, lengthen their lineup, as well as adding, you know, two left-handed bats, which they needed because they were, you know, right-handed heavy. Um, so now it poses problems later in the game. Uh, it, it gives them nice balance. And, you know, you, you talk about Gallo being bookended by LeMahieu and Judge and Rizzo having Judge and Stanton. Come on, man. Like, those two guys, Gallo and Rizzo, couldn't have landed in a better spot. And it's New York with a ball, with a stadium that's built for guys to blast the ball into the seats. So this, you know, if they can stay within themselves and New York doesn't get to them and they don't try too hard to impress, all those kind of things, they just stay inside themselves. I agree with you. This is a positive for both guys' outlook the rest of the way. You think Barrios in Toronto, you think he's going to gonna shine? Um, it's not just this year. He's there next year, more than likely. He's got another year on his contract, so that's why Toronto paid so much. But that's a real power move from the Blue Jays to go out and, 
I think you can say that's their best pitcher now. As good as Robbie Ray has been, I think Jose Barrios now becomes that ace for the Blue Jays. Yeah, I think that, yes. And you you know this. The listeners know this. Um, I'm a Barrios, or excuse me, Barrios guy. I always have been. And I think that he is overlooked in some respects because he's not Jacob deGrom. He's not Clayton Kershaw. He's not to that level of pure dominance, but he's, he's the next level. And he's young. He's controllable for another year. Uh, I mean, he's, excuse me, he's young. He is controllable for another year, right? There's one more year on his contract. Yeah, yeah. Um, he's got clean mechanics. Unlike a lot of other pitchers, Barrios was a player until his teens. He didn't become a pitcher till later. Like he wasn't pitching when he was nine years old. So there's theoretically less bullets on the arm. Again, he's got very smooth, solid mechanics. He's very athletic. I think there's so much to to like with him. And I've always thought there's a little bit more there. Maybe there's not, maybe he's, this is just what he is and there's not another level, but even so he's an excellent addition for the blue Jays, tough place to pitch AL East. That doesn't help. You know, there's bad ballparks to pitch in there. There are difficult lineups, the Yankees and Red Sox, of course, at the top of the list, but uh, this was a power move by a Jays team that, that really, I think it was needed because Ryu, we all love him, but, you know, there's always that little thing in the back of your head. Is he going to get hurt? Steven Matz is just a guy. Stripling is pitched better, okay, but Brios is better than him. And then Alec Manoa, who's been fantastic, you know, he's already thrown more innings this year than ever, right? So we have to worry about him wearing down. So I thought it was a great addition by the Blue Jays. Let's go to the three spot in our order. Move away from those names in bright, shining lights and talk about guys a little lower on the marquee. And, and, Ray, this goes back to uh, your relievers losing gigs. Brad Hand to Toronto, Rich Rodriguez to Atlanta, Kendall Graveman to Houston, Yimmy Garcia to Houston, uh, Diego Castillo to Seattle. Now, I, I'm kind of wondering with all those guys, even Hand, are they closers with their new team? Like, I, I look where all these guys landed, and – maybe they all just become a part of a committee approach to the eighth and ninth inning, much like the White Sox did. Yeah. And this is, you know, on, on Monday at fantasy guru, I'm going to have the closer grid and a solds update. There's all the solds rankings, which is, I wish the way it was. And, and then the, the closer grid update, the rankings again are posted and it's a disaster. I, I, I mean, it's a disaster. I, I, and you know, well, that's, what's the color that you use on those columns for I don't know? Yeah, right. Well, <laughs> I started looking because I was trying to I was trying to do this all in concert, right? I'm doing the rankings, I'm trying to think about souls, I'm getting the closer grid. And I I I ended up, I think I have 16 teams out of the 30 in red in the closer grid. Um, and again, I haven't finalized the article and posted it, but that's where I was kind of working into it. More than half the league I have in red. Okay, green is we're fine, whites, oh, he's okay. Red means uh over half the league is, ugh. and I mean, I think that Brad Hand's a perfect example. Brad Hand's got history. Brad Hand's got tons of success. Brad Hand's got 20 plus saves this year. He's also pitched like ass the last three weeks. He also has seen his strikeout rate disappear. Okay. And he goes to a team where you can make the argument that Jordan Romano is actually more talented. It's also a lefty righty thing. Hands lefty, Romano's right hand. So the trade of hand, you think he's going to close, but is he? I don't know. And so that's the most difficult position space to get a handle on you know, through this trade deadline and moving forward is how are teams going to handle this? Because we have seen a willingness, as you suggested, Kyle, of teams more than ever being willing to play matchups in the ninth inning. And that throws all these guys into somewhat disarray. What do you have Houston listed as, Ray, with 
Presley's been the guy all season mm-hmm. and has been good, mm-hmm. but now they go out and get Graveman and Garcia. I, I still think Presley's a majority of the time getting that ninth inning. Is that how you see it? I still have it in green. And the reason, and, and again, maybe it should be in white. I think that's fair. And again, I might still adjust this before the article goes up officially, but I have them in green, but Graveman and Garcia, they now have three guys, obviously that could handle the ninth inning. Um, Presley has done nothing to lose the job. I tend to think that me, and you, you can disagree with me if you want, as a team, if you make a move like this, and you know, Ryan Presley's been there a couple of years, he's been terrific, he's closing games on, you make a trade for Yimmy Garcia and you use him in the ninth inning, don't the players kind of look at each other and go, huh? I mean, <laughs> okay, great job, Yimmy, but... so I, I, I dropped him immediately in a league, by well, the way. Yeah, I have him in multiple leagues. Same thing this weekend. Yeah, because it's like... I, he, so I have that in green, but it's fair to say it's, it's the same scenario you laid out with the White Sox in some respects. There's no reason for the Astros to push Presley. If he's thrown two times in three days, ah, that fourth game, we'll just give Graveman. So, you know, I, it probably does eat into his overall save opportunity outlook a little bit. Um, Atlanta, in addition to Rodriguez, Ray, what, what they did in the outfield. This is after adding Jack Peterson. They also added Jorge Soler, Adam Duvall, Eddie Rosario. How's that going to work out? Is to, do we use a rover now? Do they add a position <laughs> to softball? I, I don't know how. And because again, this is another one of those scenarios. Obviously, you got Freddie Freeman at first, and you've got Austin Riley at third. Okay, so those positions are locked. You've got Albies and uh, Swanson. The infield's locked. Yeah, mm-hmm. maybe no- Solaire can catch. Yeah, right. Yeah, maybe <laughs> the infield's locked. So what that means is that you know we've got Peterson, Duvall, Solaire. They're fine now, but when Eddie Rosario comes back, does Eddie Rosario become a bench player? I mean, Peterson's done a little bit better against left-handed pitching this year, but it's obvious that you could say, hey, come he's on. He's still total platoon. Yeah, he total should be, platoon. right? Yeah. The, the real problem with this group is that there's not a center fielder here. Like, Peterson's played center field. I, you know, Eddie Rosario, uh, you know, there's not a center fielder here, and it's – you know, their, their center fielder is Christian Pache, right? But he's mm-hmm. he's not – we're not going to see him unless there's an injury. Drew Waters, we all kind of hoped would come up late. We're not going to see him unless there's an injury because they've got Almonte and Heredia in you know depth here for the, the Braves too. So uh, right now it looks good, but as soon as Rosario is ready in like two weeks, I – Kyle, because, I mean, both Duvall and Soler are so interest, interesting because they're basically the same type of player – Soler is better at taking a walk, so I think he can be a better overall offensive player. But they're both power guys, not a lot of speed, no batting average. But both those guys, as we have seen, even this year, can have huge stretches where they go, you know, six for 39 with 14 strikeouts, with 18 strikeouts. If those two guys are going like that at the same time, they have to bench one of them kind of, don't they? Especially if they've got Rosario around. So I don't know. Something to watch over the next eight weeks or so. Moving to the cleanup spot, um, all these guys are sent packing to new homes. How about the guys who are back in the, the old spot? And, Ray, that's always the wild fallout of the trading deadline. We get so fired up about watching Trey Turner and Max Scherzer and Joey Gallo and Craig Kimball go paces. We forget about what's left at the old places. And, you know, I look at the Nationals and the Cubs, Ray, and it's a totally different beast. I mean, those two teams, like, you barely recognize them. And, Washington, I struggle to find anything that's really interesting. I mean, on the closing side, I guess Kyle Finnegan is the guy for now. If somebody's really desperate for saves with the Cubs, maybe Rowan Wick, I I guess, is the guy that Ortega dude in center field maybe gets more playing time. Bodie, Wisdom, 
you know, with the Nationals, Andrew Stevenson, Carter Keyboom again, but I don't know if there's a difference maker to be found with either of those two teams over the next two months. Yeah, I think that with the Nationals, you you know, if we can get Kiebert Ruiz playing every day, that dude can really hit uh, at the catcher spot. And the catcher spot is such that, you know, if he's hitting 270 with moderate power, he's a catcher too, right? Like he doesn't even have to do that much. Now it's always difficult to look at a youngster without big league experience and expect him to do anything. But I think he he is someone that, you know, we could be talking about Kiboom. He'll play, right? I mean, he's going to play every day, it sounds like. And we'll see, but he has been vacuous in terms of his production at the major league level to this point. Still like 23 years old, so there's still time. But really um, not someone that I'm intrigued with at the moment, given what we've seen to date. And, you know, the Cubs, hey, man, we see a lot of guys with an approach like Patrick Wisdom. And I actually have Patrick Wisdom in the Series XM Dynasty League. He's like the last guy on my team. We have 45-man rosters. And I can't say I'm displeased with this trade deadline because, you know, he's going to play every day, strikes out a ton. Um, there's holes in his game, but he's got legit power. But you're right. Both these teams traded away so much talent. It, it's tough to look at him and get overly excited. Uh, maybe Ian Happ, Kyle, is going to play every day. Yeah. So maybe he finally, after having a disastrous season, gets on track a little bit. You know, back to the Nationals, do you think Josiah Gray is is going to be a every turn through the rotation starter for them this, this season? Um, they announced that, what was the announcement that he's starting? He's in the rotation. They announced that on Sunday. Um, he'll, he's actually starting t- today. Yeah. You should figure that out. Good job, Ray. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but do you think he's in, yeah. like, is he going to be a guy that they protect, shut mm-hmm. down, don't push, or do you think they're just going to let him run this year? Well, I mean, the, the nationals are in a tough spot because they're going to run out of pitching here pretty soon because you, you look at the staff and, um, Joe Ross is not. I mean, he's already had a setback. He didn't throw last year. They're going to have to pull back on him. You know, Fetty, Espino, eh, you know, we know that Strasburg's done for the year. So they they will have an opening, bottom line. They will have an opening for Gray if they would like to let him throw over and over again. I think mm-hmm. that he's kind of like Barrios. He's athletic. He's got a nice delivery. Uh, he can miss bats. Uh, you look at his workload. He didn't throw anything official last year, and that's always the how much – you know, what do organizations know about what happened last year? They know everything, but we don't know. Did they limit him to 50 innings of work? Do they consider it 100 innings of work? He had thrown 130 innings in 2019. He, he hasn't been utilized much this year because he's had some physical setbacks this year. So he's under 40 innings this year, right? So I think it's possible that he pitches every five or six days the rest of the way. And yeah, I think that's certainly possible. But you know, the, the issue there, too, is that he could run into a Johnny uh, Casey Mize situation where, you know, one day he just goes out and throws 60 pitches and we're like, what? And they're like, oh, that was the plan the whole time, you know, that we weren't going to let him throw 95 pitches today. So I think he pitches every day the rest of the way. I think I'm not positive. You know, some other things to pay attention to um, with Houston moving on from Miles Straw. We could see a lot of Chaz McCormick down the stretch. Uh, Brian De La Cruz in Miami going to get a lot of playing time i think abraham toro who as soon as he got to seattle started clubbing the baseball over the wall um you know all those young guys kind of come up maybe gerard dyson in kansas city with no jorge soler we could see a lot more of him but i think mccormick de la cruz and toro ray are are some young guys we don't know much about that we're going to find out more about over the next eight weeks yeah and also did you mention um Edward Olivares, I don't think he did. Right? No, I did not. Yeah. Kansas City. Yeah. yeah, I think he's another name because he's got some power speed. He's had a great run down in the minors. Um, Toro is an interesting player because it, he became like the first guy ever. I saw Jason Stark talking about this. 
the narrowest span of hitting a home run for his new team was one day, right? He went from hit a home run, got traded, hit a home run the next day. Uh, yeah, actually, I think he went three games in a row, right? Um, he's going to be hot um, in terms of the expectations the rest of the way. I think there's talent there. We all know it, but, you know, let's just stay moderate. Um, maybe he helps long-term in the, in the mixed league. Maybe it's more of a moderate play. I think Oliveris is intriguing because of the power speed. Um, you know, McCormick, they, the Astros did that weird thing where they, they traded Miles Straw, and we talked about it, Kyle. Like, it, it doesn't really make sense. Uh, they don't really have a center fielder because of the move. And, you know, Straw hasn't done anything this year different than what the expectations were. I mean, he's been exactly who we kind of expected him to be, but they made a move there. So uh, McCormick and Myers both see upticks with the Astros. And McCormick's – and both those guys, McCormick and Myers, you know, okay. Myers having a really good year down on the farm, but neither one of these guys profiles as a – upper end offensive player but if you're playing on an almost daily basis a guy like mccormick is of interest yeah um miles straw sent packing like you said it you know hasn't been good but it hasn't been brutal with miles straw he does have 17 steals this year which as we all know for fantasy leagues that certainly plays but he is now in cleveland okay let's move to the five spot in our starting nine and Ray, this is where we dig into your rest of the way rankings. Um, you posted them August 1st. They are out and available. You've been working on them all weekend. Were, were there any names that like really jumped up from a month ago? Like, you know, who are some of the movers and shakers? Maybe some of the difficulties? I guess more than anything, that bullpen just drove you crazy. It did. Uh, and I admit straight up, best I can do. I, I mean, it's just, <laughs> you know, it's, you know, and it's interesting, like, oh, you know, Spencer Patton's going to be the closer for the Rangers blows his effort. You know, it's like David Bednar. Blah. So, you know, you have to wonder, too, about some of these teams, because realize that some of these teams, like like the Cubs, they blew their team up. Like, how many games are they going to win the rest of the way? The Nationals, how many games are they going to win? How many yeah. opportunities are there going to be? And I'm glad you brought that up, Ray. Like, you know, you're picking up Finnegan or Wick. It's okay, you got a closer, quote unquote. But, I mean, if the team's winning 20 games the rest of the year, how many close save opportunities are they even going to have 10, maybe a max. Mm-hmm. And then how many are they actually going to get? Maybe get six saves. I mean, so maybe that moves the needle and in a lot of leagues, it might in those roto leagues, but you know, you look at these guys and honestly, anything over six saves the rest of the year uh, would be a bit of a surprise. Yeah. And it's usually a category where you can look at it and feel pretty confident. Like you can gauge how it's going to go. Right. You can look at it and you can say to yourself, well, if I get this guy, I'll gain eight saves. This other team is in this, but you can do that. But just realize that we are at a point when we're talking about these second, third, fourth level options, that the overall outlook for saves is really confusing more so than normal. It's even more up in the air. So yeah, those, that, that position as a whole was definitely challenging. Uh, I think that pitching overall was challenging. I mean, Trevor Rogers is back off the injury list, but how many innings is he going to throw for the Marlins? You know, what, what do we do with Chris sale? How do we look at a guy like Zach gallon? Who's had multiple setbacks. What do we do with Jack Flaherty? He's finally, you know, on his way back. Logan Webb, all of a sudden is healthy and he's rolling along for the giants. So there's so many pitcher pitching questions, health wise, workload wise and performance wise that that position. I mean, if you look at that list on August 1st and you compare it to, you know, March 30th, I mean, you barely recognize the list. And that is what was, again, what's expected at the pitching position this year. But it doesn't make it any easier to get a handle on it at the moment. You know, I was talking about Rizzo and Gallo earlier for my you know, own curiosity. Did, did those guys see a big push up up your chart? Yeah, they did. And Well, yes and no. I And those two players are players that, in my opinion, 
you play them 150 games and you get what you're going to get. Right. And, and it may not be sexy or exciting. And, you know, each guy does something a little bit better than the other guy and all that kind of thing. But Rizzo's going to go, you know, 270, 25, 85. You know, Gallo's going to go 230, 35, 80. I mean, that's just so I didn't change their outlooks dramatically. Gallo, I think, saw a little bit more of a boost because you look at that Yankee team that we talked about. But even with Gallo, there's still the holdback that, you know, he's been incredibly hot recently. That probably leads to a little bit of a slowdown, right? That's just natural for his type of game. And even with the lineup and all the stuff, I mean, he could hit 195 the rest of the way. And so he, when he's not stealing 10 bases, it's tough. So for me, again, it's a long-term picture with those two players. So they didn't dramatically change, but Gallo is a little bit more up than Rizzo was based upon the team. Well, and, and, you know, those are two guys who obviously went to a quote unquote contender, but you said, Hey, they're, they are what they are like Max Scherzer you know, goes to LA and you say, oh man, this is great. You know, as bad as the Nationals were in, in the 19 starts that Scherzer had, the team went 11 and eight and he went eight and four. Honestly, Ray, this is the weird thing about pitching. He goes to the Dodgers, better team. No one doubts that. Mm -hmm. But if he wins more than two thirds of his games, and again, he was eight and four. So eight of his 12 decisions, he won them. He wins more than two thirds with the Dodgers. You know, that's, that can't be expected. In other words, the, the winning percentage is about as good as it can get, despite the fact he's leaving the nationals and going to the Dodgers now. Isn't it amazing to think that, and I was wrong about my expectations with Scherzer this year. He's been way better than I thought he would be. He's got the best whip of his career right now. Wow. Right. Hall of Famer, Cy Young went on 0.89 is 100th better than his mark in 2017 best of his career and until his last outing his strikeout rate his k rate was the best of his career too it just dipped down um, if he if he made like a huge run these last two uh-huh. months ray because Degrom's probably out of the picture for cy young you got you know the milwaukee stuff but like scherzer has a chance to win another cy young here like yeah. if he has a push mm-hmm. to the finish line where he becomes a big story, you know, trade edition, and he goes like six and one down the stretch, mm-hmm. like a 180 RA. He has a shot of maybe getting another Cy Young award, which is mind blowing. I mean, that would be, what is that? Four Cy Young awards he would have in his career. I mean, how many guys do that? Not many at all. Yeah. And he's 37 years old now too, right? He just turned 37. And oh yeah, by the way, his contract's up. Is he going to get another four year, $150 million contract? He might. <laughs> He, he might, might, he might, he might do the Bauer route, Ray, one year, 50 million. He, he might, <laughs> right? Yeah. I mean, he, and again, I, I am shocked that he has been as good as he has been given that his age, the workload, the, the pullback we started to see, he's turned back the clock completely. He looks like the same guy that was winning Cy Young Awards. And you're right. A strong finish here gets him in the conversation and it gets him as a, as a top three finisher. Let's not forget that at the time of the trade deadline, what were the Dodgers behind three games, four games behind the Giants. So if they overcome that and they can, you know, lean on Max Scherzer, that helps his case as well. Rest of the way rankings, they come out the first of every single month. Ray has one more of those to do uh, in September. Uh, the August edition is out now. Check it out at fantasyguru.com in the MLB section there. Let's go to the six hole time and Ray, July is over. Um, so let's just give a shout out to Eric Haas. Yeah. of Detroit man oh man a guy who at the beginning of July Ray oh just another catcher who cares um he had a 980 OPS in July 
Um, if you go back to, I think, June 30th and take it through July, 10 homers, 30 ribbies, 20 runs scored. Uh, best hitting catcher in baseball over the last month is Eric Haas. Um, what's going on here? I like the whole Detroit lineup was killing it in July. <laughs> like everybody was. And Eric Haas was kind of at the forefront of it. Yeah, number six in the catcher rankings. There's the guy that flew up the board, Kyle. Yeah, where was he at coming into the month? You need to look that up. <laughs> look that up, 42nd. Yeah, I mean, he he has been tremendous. He's been tre- just tremendous. And when you factor in that he's been a, he's a catcher, it's wild. Um, you know, this is completely out of nowhere. He's a 28-year-old. Uh, his average exit velocity is top 12% in baseball. His hard hit rate is top 12% in baseball. His expected slugging percentage is top 15 in baseball. His barrel percentage rate, top five in baseball. Not a catcher, in baseball. He has been <laughs> elite, okay? And you look at his history, you look at his track record, you look at his age, you look at the 31% strikeout rate, which is really bad. You look at all of those things, but when you talk about, A, guy squaring the baseball up, putting the barrel on it, hitting it hard, he's borderline elite. And that, you know... With this short period of time left, could he could he hit 210 because of the strikeout rate? He could, but if he's hitting 210 and he's Gary Sanchez, which I'm kind of getting a really Gary Sanchez vibe here from him, we know what Gary Sanchez is. He's catcher one, right? And and there's no reason to think at this point that Eric Haas the rest of the way won't be that. Well, and he's Gary Sanchez with outfield eligibility. Oh. Let's not forget that it's it, it, you know everybody gets you know their panties in a bind because of, of uh, Dalton Varsho. Mm-hmm. catcher outfield mm-hmm. um this is the real thing eric haas and it's one of those detroit's having a really good year they really are they're competitive they've got way more wins than most anybody thought um they're showing some good youth in the in the pitching side it's coming together and then now the hitting's coming together and everybody thought they were going to trade jonathan scope they didn't uh which kind of leaves me scratching my head a little bit but, but detroit has just played solid baseball and you're right, Ray, with so little time left, you just ride it with Eric Haas. There, there is nothing invested. There was zero risk picking this guy up. And even if you picked him up a week ago, two weeks ago, he's still hitting. Um, it's going to take a bad August, and that could happen, but it's going to take a bad August for me to say no to him for September, I think. Yeah, and you can, you know, if they have a piece there, and again, I'm not a superstar or anything, but they have a piece that they can play most days in Haas. And then you have maybe Daz Cameron take a step. You maybe have Isaac Paredes take that step that they've been looking for. They've got Spencer Torkelson, who everyone thinks can't miss, right? You start talking about this team like you're saying, you know, Tigers could play 500 baseball next year. And, you know, given given the expectations and where they're at, and, you know, they've got Miguel Cabrera and they, they got some issues. But, you know, this team has actually been put together in a, in a pretty positive way. Uh, they do have the young pitching too. And it could get interesting pretty quickly for them to at least be a competitive team. You know, they, they, they could, they could play 500 ball this year. It's possible. It's very unlikely, but it's certainly been better than the expectations. Who are the only five catchers you have ahead of Eric Haas? Yeah. <laughs> Names you might know, Kyle, uh, <laughs> Omar Narvaez, Will Smith, JT Ramuto, Buster Posey, and Salvador Perez. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I've heard of a few of those. Yeah. Omar Narvaez up there. I like hearing that. That's pretty wild. Uh, That is our player profile of Eric Haas. Let's hit the seven hole, hit you with some news and notes over the weekend. Uh, Pitching continued to take a beating. Um, Gonsolin, Paddock, and Caprillon all put on the IL. Shoulder for Caprillon, oblique for Paddock, shoulder for Gonsolin. Who knows when we see them? Uh, Tyler Glass now almost certain. 
to go to Tommy John surgery. So he's going to miss a portion of next year. Speaking of Tommy John, Ray, we're getting closer and closer to Chris Sale. You know, Boston was pretty quiet at the trade deadline. So I guess their big addition is going to be Chris Sale. And, and that could happen this week. Yeah, it could. Uh, I've seen some reports that suggest he might make one more outing in the, in the minors. We'll have to wait and see definitively how, how that plays out. But all the reports are good. He's in a good mindset. He's in good shape. The arm looks good. He's hitting 96, 97 with regularity down on the farm. Uh, the slider looks good. And they desperately need him. Let's just call it like it is. Eduardo Rodriguez can't get on track. Martin Perez is just a placeholder. Nathan Eovaldi, you know, there's workload concerns with him. Nick Pavetta, eh. Garrett Richards sucks. So, I mean, they they really need a Chris Sale. Ultimately, does it matter? Uh, they're not going to win their division, you know, I don't think. I mean, I, they could. Well, they're right you know, there. Here's what's crazy. But, They've been up there all year. Yeah. And, and Ray, as good a year they're going to have, they're going to go into a one-game playoff. And... I, I wouldn't be surprised if Chris Sale's starting that one game play well, <laughs> purely because yeah. he gives them some confidence. Whereas the other guys, you'd have no confidence. Yeah. In I mean, if I look at the Yankees and the Blue Jays and I compare them to the Red Sox, like it's clear who should be in third place there. But to the Red Sox credit, they've done kind of like the San Francisco Giants. They've pieced it together. You know, they've played through injuries and all those kind of things. And adding Chris Sale back, and, and maybe it's 60 pitches his first time out, and then 70 his second time, and 75 the third. Your point is valid. If we're down to the last day of the regular season, we're in a playoff situation, and you know Chris Sale is ready, and he's healthy, and he's locked in, he could win a game by himself. So that is a huge addition if he can stay healthy and be the pitcher he's always been. Uh, speaking of stud pitchers, um, Clayton Kershaw news was not good over the weekend, Ray. Um, he's pretty well, I guess he has missed all of July with a forearm issue and he's kind of in that Jake DeGrom level. They tried him in a SIM game over the weekend and he came away in a bit of pain. So, you know, again, the Dodgers are charging ahead to the playoffs, but they'll probably protect them. I bet for most of this August. Yeah. He was really tough to, to rank, um, because of that fact that, you know, pitching when he's on the hill, he's good. He's, he's not like he once was, but he's still, he's kind of like Max Scherzer, right? Still really good. And he's had a history of late, especially the last couple of years of, you know, missing a start or two, coming back and being fine. Well, now there's the lingering issue and no one seems to be suggesting surgery or anything like that, but they've got to take it easy with him. They do have other options, et cetera, et cetera. So he, he's a tough guy to rank. He's a tough guy to project. Uh, but your point about being safe and cautious with him certainly seems like the right position to take at the moment. And uh, COVID uh, continues to, to be with us. It's still here. It, it, it really has come back, right? Just like, unfortunately, it has throughout the country. We're starting to see it in sports. I mean, like, we went through the first part of the season, and you rarely saw this. But here in the last week or so, Ray, we, we've seen it pop up everywhere. Trey Turner's out. Uh, Christian Yelich is out. Don Mattingly, manager of the Marlins, is out. So that could, unfortunately, really affect things here. Uh, down the stretch yeah and I've heard from a lot of people some people are in leagues that don't have benches or their aisle spots are filled up or you know these kind of things where it's just what do you do you know you can't drop trade turn or anything but you know sometimes you got to make decisions especially if you're in a head-to-head setup and you gotta you know you gotta get a start or whatever to win this week to make the playoffs it's um it's unfortunate that you know this is still going on and, and you know I'm, we're, I'm not gonna get into politics you're not gonna get into politics I just wish that you know, this was something we didn't have to worry about. We got enough to worry about beyond, you know, this. But uh, COVID is here. And until different decisions are made around the country and around the world, it's going to continue to be here. And you just got to struggle through it, Kyle. Man, let's go to our eight hole. And it's time for the random reference. We head over to baseballreference.com, go to the frivolities and 
click the random page and see what we come up with and just see where the discussion leads us up. It does have to be 1980 to present uh, whenever we go to that random page. So if we get some, oh, here's it. So if we get the 1894 Washington senators, whoa, we're, we're not going to, you can't talk about them. Can you? Right I don't, now? I could probably find, no, probably not. Okay. You don't got anything <laughs> on the, the 1890. Are you kidding? Okay. Here's one in the way back file, barely in our fantasy era. Braves Dodgers. September 10th of 1983. Uh, th this might have been your Dale Murphy days, right? Yes, that was the, he won the MVP that year, if I'm not mistaken. Okay, well, well, he was batting third for mm -hmm. the Atlanta Braves. They won it in L.A. 6-3. Uh, to three. And, you know, we, we think of the Braves as so lousy in the 80s. They, they made the playoffs in 82. And at this point, Ray, this is, you know, middle of September, late in the year. The Braves won this game against the Dodgers to move to 80 and 62. Uh, the Dodgers were 82 and 60. So the Braves were still playing some, some good baseball. Um, obviously, Dell Murphy's on this team. You know, there's names like Rafael Ramirez and Bruce Benedict that I certainly remember. Uh, the Dodgers have recognizable names everywhere. This was Fernando Mania. He, he, he was there. Uh, Sid Bream was on this team. Pedro Guerrero, Dusty Baker. Now managing the Astros, Steve Sachs, a lot more uh, notable names on the Dodgers and the Braves back here. In yeah, India. we'll we'll start with Murphy. That was his second MVP of two in a row. Uh, led the league in games played, RBIs, slugging percentage, OPS. Uh, won a Gold Glove too. He, he was, also he got his twenty fourth stolen base in this game too. Yep, he went thirty thirty that year. Uh, the year previously, he went thirty twenty when he won the MVP award. Uh, he was going to the Hall of Fame too, and before a, a slowdown late in his career kind of stopped in there one home run short oh three or two home run short excuse me 398 uh but he was at the height of his powers then i i, I love the, the the dichotomy between dale murphy who's you know six five two fifteen and brett butler who they list at 510 160 i don't know he's been leadoff uh the prototypical leadoff guy back in the old days a little guy that would slap the ball around run really fast steal a base uh but yeah the star power in this game was was clearly with the dodgers and you know, some guys toward the end of their careers, like Russell and, and Baker, some other guys like Sachs and, and Pedro Guerrero. Pedro Guerrero, by the way, um, that's a guy that some people have kind of forgotten about, you know, but Kyle, that dude was a monster. Um, you know, that was a second straight season of 30, 183 for him. Uh, go look at his 1985 season where he was, you know, phenomenal. Five, three different, four different years, top five MVP finishes. Uh, including this 1983 season. Pedro Guerrero was a hell of a hitter back in the day. You know what else stands out from this uh, September 10th, 83 box score? Um, Oral Hershiser getting the final out of the, the, out of the bullpen um, in the ninth inning. This was his second ever major league appearance, um, Oral Hershiser, who of course went on to greatness as a starting pitcher with the Dodgers and with the Indians, but here he was as a reliever. Um, let's see, in 1983, how old would Oral have been? Let's 24? see, uh, 24 years old. Think about I, that. The guy went on to a borderline Hall of Fame career, signing awards, you know, scoreless streaks and all that. And he, as a rookie, he was 24. And how many guys are we talking about as rookies at 21 or whatever anymore, <laughs> right? Fascinating. Well, he that came in the league at 24 and left it at 41. Yeah. Oral that is our random reference. A good one. A lot of fun names back from 1983. We close things down for this edition of the podcast, as we always do. Stamp of approval time. Ray, what gets the thumbs up this week? 
I've been doing lots of walking, as you and the listeners, I think, know. It's kind of been my uh, my zen. Just go around and walk. Sometimes it's around the neighborhood. Sometimes it's in the, the woods or whatever. But I just want to give uh, my stamp of approval, and this might sound strange, but soft socks. Soft um, socks. Yes. Okay, wow. I have... I don't have persnickety feet or anything like that, but um, I've always been, I like, I, to me, like I'd play baseball, I'd slide, I'd get a couple pebbles in my shoe. I'd have to take my shoe off. Like I just, I feel much more comfortable when my feet are in a good space. Um, and you wash socks a couple of times, they get a little rough. You know what I'm talking about, Kyle. So soft socks, been wearing a lot of newer socks. It just makes me feel like I'm walking on a cloud. I don't know if it's ever come up on the podcast, Ray, but uh, people claim you have beautiful feet, feet. Right. Yeah. Well, it's not a claim. It's true. It's verified. Um, for considering that collarbones, I think. Yeah, but that too. Yeah. Thank you, Pilar Lostra. Um, according, according to any objective analysis, my feet are really <laughs> special. They're and and this is you know kind of a joke, but um, size thirteen feet. Only only kind of a joke. There kind, is kind of it's kind of a joke, but it's actually true. Um, size thirteen feet and all the sports I played in my life, I have no bunions. I have no jacked up toes. Like my feet are are very perpendicular they're proportioned properly okay enough about your feet Ray. Okay. enough it's not that kind of podcast <laughs> it's not a fetish cast yeah, yeah. Uh, my stamp of approval is um back to my childhood we, we my family and i say my family it's me my wife and my two-year-old so it's a small family but we're in effect Ray, having our first family road trip which is something i grew up doing um you know whether it's soccer tournaments or actual vacations you know you'd always hit the highway have your roads and I remember this as a kid, and I never really liked it as a kid. But as an adult, I'm very fond of this looking back. Um, my parents were big on pulling to the side of the road um, at your highway rest stop and having lunch out of the cooler. Mm-hmm. And kids hate that. You know, you're on a trip. You want to, you, you know, you want to get Kentucky Fried Chicken, Burger, McDonald's. Those yeah, kind of, yeah. yeah. You want stuff you don't get at home. Right. But we always did this. And, and not the whole trip, but there would always be at least one or two. We're going to eat out of the cooler today, kids, which we didn't like. But, Ray, we're getting ready for a trip. And guess what? Kyle L. Frank, now a dad, is making sure that we do on this trip. Eat out of a cooler? Eating out of a cooler. Yes. My wife's totally down with it. I even looked up a rest stop, Ray, that that had decent reviews. Right. You know, I didn't want to run into large Marge or something on the side of the road and get kidnapped. So, I even found a, a decent one right off the highway. And my son, Walt, is is huge into like the, the sounds of the highway, uh, watching big trucks go by on ramps and off ramps. I don't know why, but he's into it. So, Ray, he actually might enjoy eating out of a cooler, too. That's fantastic. And I, I love how and, and you, you know, the father becomes and the son becomes the father, right? If you wait around long enough. Yeah, we start um, acting more and more like yeah, our parents after yeah. swearing we never would. <laughs> uh-huh. Uh huh. I like it though, though. That's good. You know, those memories, and he, Walt's well, pretty young now, so I don't know. But yeah. those memories are what it's about. Yeah, maybe it'll be a disaster and we'll never do it again, but we're, we're, <laughs> we're going to try it. Got, got the cold cuts ready. The lettuce is, is good to go. The, the, the sides, the fixings, everything. Now we'll probably get there and there won't be a bench anywhere, but ah, whatever. We'll, we'll figure it out. Uh, that's part of the fun of a family trip, right? That's that's why you do it. Um, Ray, have a great one. Um, I guess you're going to be a little less busy this week with no trade deadline, right? A little less busy, yeah, on the surface. But, um, you know, still got all this, the, the, the stuff going on at the site. Going to be recording some of those uh, NFL podcasts for those people that haven't got the football product at Fantasy Guru yet. Uh, Kyle and I are both hosting. I'm, I'm hosting 10 of podcasts. Kyle, what about you? What number? Um. 
I didn't something know like this that. was a contest. No, uh, it's not a contest. I'm just like <laughs> about 10, something like that for you too. Yeah, I think it's it's up there around 10 or so. I think yeah. I'm, I, 11 I have raised, okay, so fine. suck it. Okay? You beat yeah. me. Well, you, you always beat me. You're better at hosting anyway. Um, but the two of us are, so that's 21 of the 50 podcasts, 5-0, 50 podcasts that we've got going at Fantasy Guru for the football product. We've got PPR rankings, non-PPR rankings, dynasty, you know, talk. We've got a full dynasty guide. We've got a full best ball guide, uh, all that stuff over there. So, uh, you know, make sure you take advantage of that. You can combo it with the baseball package. You can get it on its own, uh, live streams there, you know, chat room as well as we have for baseball. So be doing a little bit of baseball and football this week, Kyle. Uh, I also might just to share this. I have jury duty set up this week. Ugh. Um, I don't know. It's, it's set for August 5th. I don't know yet if I'm going to be called, I'll find out on the fourth. So, if you don't see an article up for the day of August 5th, that's because I'm at jury duty. Just refuse to put your phone down during the selection, Ray. They'll boot you. You know, just say, I got a tweet all day during this. I'm not even going to pay attention to any court. Yeah, case. I don't care. I'm just going to convict whoever it is. Yeah, there exactly. <laughs> there are ways out of it, Ray. Just, <laughs> just got to lie up there. Um, as for me, I'll be on the road uh, with the family. If you see me in Indianapolis, Indiana, stop by, say hello. I'm, I'm more than happy to shake your hand. Um, that will do it for us on this edition of the Baseball Elite Podcast. Have a great week. Hope everybody's recovered from that wild and wooly trading deadline. And we will see you seven days from now right here at FantasyGuru.com with the Baseball Elite Podcast. 